my name is Tony Litt. I'm the MD of Sunrise Radio, and it's my immense pleasure to bring you the official Sunrise Radio podcast. We are the number one commercial Asian station in the United Kingdom, with many firsts to our name, and we continue to be the voice of British Asians who have given us their love and loyalty over 30 years. It's a legacy we cherish and a responsibility that we don't take lightly. Our aim has always been to entertain the listeners with the best of Bollywood and Bangwa while also addressing their concerns. A real voice for the community, a vibrant community and a great nation. We are proud to be British and Asian. This podcast is a compilation of some of the things we do on the station with a stellar lineup of presenters who each have their own personality and style. It's entertaining, informative, engaging, and we hope you will enjoy it here as a podcast if you are unable to tune in to the radio. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your family and friends about this podcast and do leave us a comment on what you think. We'd love to hear from you. All the best always. Team Sunrise. My name is Shabnam Sahi. Welcome to the official Sunrise Radio podcast. I'm on your radio weekdays from 9 a.m. to 12 noon. If you've heard the show, you know what to expect from it. But here are some exciting, interesting Bollywood stories that you may have missed this time round, served up as part of our official Sunrise Radio podcast. Enjoy. Let's start with this first story. It could become a really big story. Now, in the present scenario in Bollywood, when a long list of films are expected to release in quick succession, to make up for lost time, more importantly, to make up for lost revenue, expect all box office clashes to be fierce and intense because each film will try to maximize its box office revenue and to achieve this, they are expected to go all out and do whatever it takes to win the Bollywood box office battle. Rumors in Bollywood already talking about cutthroat deals between producers and exhibitors with some of Bollywood's biggest names pitted against one another. It's Salman Khan versus John Abraham, Radhe versus Satyamev Jayate too. This is on the occasion of Eid. But Bollywood insiders there is a bitter battle brewing between John Abraham and Akshay Kumar. Now these two, they clashed once when gold went head-to-head with Satyamev Jayate. Then again when Mission Mangal came out at the same time as Bartla House. Supposedly taking a swipe at Akshay and Lakshmi, John Abraham recently said, let's be honest, it's a common industry notion that if an actor is not confident of a film, what does he do? He dumps it on OTT. Almost 90% of films that opted for the OTT uh, platform were bad. I'm not saying this film is spectacular. My film Mumbai Saga is spectacular. But you know what? I won't use the pandemic as a crutch. He says, ooh. Then he says that, you know, when I heard that the producer of Mumbai Saga, uh, Bhushan Kumar, and the director, Sanjay Gupta, were in conversation with Amazon Prime, that they wanted to take the film to Amazon Prime, I had to step in. I said, guys, stop. We're not doing this. Our film is meant for the big screen. All right, we won't make as much money in a full theatrical release as we did before the pandemic hit. TK. But you know what? That is where we belong. And then as a punchline, John Abraham says, I'm a big screen hero, not available for subscription fee. Ooh, this could get really murky. Did you hear about this comedy? This is a comedy set in a regular office, but the title could suggest a different scenario. Named after a line from an R.D. Burman song from the 1971 film Karama, I'm talking about Monica, my darling. That's
That's right. It is the title of a film, yar. Of course, this song featured Helen. I mean, who else but the gorgeous Helen, right? This film brings Rajkumar Rao and Huma Qureshi together. Since they last did Gangs of Vasepur. Now, Gangs of Vasepur mein they didn't have any scenes together. But Monica Oh My Darling promises to be a riot. It is directed by Vasan Bala, who made the critically acclaimed film Mad Ko Dad Nahi Hota. And it is produced by Sriram Raghavan and Sanjay Rautri. It is a Netflix original and it marks Rajkumar Rao's third outing on Netflix after Ludo and of course The White Tiger. Now fans and critics say that you know it is these small quirky niche often brilliant stories that carry absolutely no baggage that a Bollywood film needs to carry. You know in Bollywood everything needs to be amplified and magnified and studded with stars. These smaller gems predominantly on digital they are driving this change in the way we now consume our films. The format not so important. Content it matters a lot now. Vani Kapoor is excited to be a part of two big films that promise to light up the summer of 2021 this summer. The first Bollywood's film equivalent of a lockdown baby that's what I think of it Bell Bottom with Akshay Kumar in the lead and this was filmed from start to finish predominantly here in the UK during the hardest months of the pandemic and the team is proud of what they delivered a lockdown baby see Bell Bottom then Vani's got Abhishek Kapoor's Chandigarh Kare Aashiqui this is with Aishman Khurana promising his fans yet another memorable ride we have big hopes and dreams for the summer of 2021 please let's all continue to stay safe and make these dreams come true please interesting piece of news to emerge from bollywood makes the john abraham versus salman khan box office clash this eid that much more exciting because salman khan's radhe your most wanted bhai will now have to battle ek nahi do nahi three john abrahams in satyameva jayate too that's right the makers have just announced that john abraham will be in a triple role so that's six times three 18 and 18 pack we are looking at in that film right now this is a story that hopes to tick all the right boxes and give salman's radhe a run for its money may the better film win but you know what taking on a salman khan film that too during eid this is not for the faint hearted i hope all three avatars of john abraham in satyameva jayate 2 are up for the challenge so ahead of its much hyped eagerly awaited release this june kabir khan's 83 the film recently became the first ever indian film based brand called 83 believe which is powered by reliance by phantom films and by tennis ace turned entrepreneur also lara datta's husband mahesh bhupati now this is valued at more than 200 crores before the films even come out 83 believe it is a brand which hopes to launch merchandise in fact a whole range of products to capture the essence of that landmark victory at lords in 1983 which was perhaps the first step of turning cricket into the opium of the masses in india if you know what i mean Dibakar Banerjee's next thriller which should have been out last year about this time last year but a global pandemic got in the way I'm talking about Sandeep or Pinky Farrar this is hoping to ace its box office game by adding little quirks here and there have you noticed firstly contrary to what you might think when you look at the title Pariniti is Sandeep and Arjun Kapoor is Pinky 
I know, don't ask, just watch it. Then there's much debate over why Padiniti's name appears before Arjun Kapoor's name in the opening credits. Now, traditionally, it is the other way around, right? Bollywood insiders say that Dibakar Banerjee wanted it that way because Padiniti is the central character in the story. Also, those familiar with Indian pop music of the 80s, especially those like me who grew up in India, Sharon Prabhakar is a name you're familiar with, right? She makes a cameo appearance in Sandeep or Pinky Farrar. Interesting to know that Sharon's daughter, Shazan Padamsi, tried her luck in Bollywood in 2009 in a film titled Rocket Singh Salesman of the Year. That didn't quite go to plan. Well, here's hoping this does with mummy, right? Good luck, team Sandeep or Pinky Farrar. We are not sure if this is a rumor or if there's any substance to this story. But in the light of recent developments on the censorship front in India, it could well be true. Inside information does suggest that Ali Abbas Zafar's foray into digital with the hugely popular political drama, I'm talking about Tandav here, this may not be allowed to roll out a season two. What? Unless, unless it's willing to tow the censorship line and axe anything that could potentially offend on political or religious or moral grounds. So those waiting for Tandav too, waiting to find out who that mystery caller, the mystery blackmailer was, right? We may never find out. On the other hand, Bombay Begums celebrating the stories of four interesting female characters with its own share of things that people could find offensive. They've been green-lighted for season two. Yes, I'm Urti Urti Khabare. I'm not sure if it is official but there is a strong rumor so this will be interesting to watch right and we will try and gauge where the censorship acts will fall next great it's back to moral policing then those who thought nepotism was away on holiday soaking up the sun on a remote island not related to bollywood anymore guess what the holiday is over because star kids a whole army of star kids are doing their last minute prep to dive straight into the murky waters of bollywood Shania Kapoor leads the pack, of course. She's already been a star on social media for a while. Well, Karan Johar is taking Maheep and Sanjay Kapoor's daughter under his wing and hoping to give her a grand launch this July when they start shooting her first film. She's signed to Dharma Cornerstone, naturally. Over on the other side, Sunny Diol's younger son, Karan Diol's brother, Rajveer Diol. He's said to be working very hard for his debut and this is a film that has shades of Ye Javani Hai Diwani. And that's not all. Rajveer Diol will be directed by a star kid as well. Guess who? Suraj Barjatiya's son, Avnish Barjatiya. So that's three star kids unleashed in one fell swoop. Expect more debates on nepotism to be raging across Bollywood very soon. Because that's what happens, right? We know the trend. If Ranveer Singh wishes to be crowned Bollywood's undisputed Shehenshah of historical dramas, especially those of epic proportions, he needs to strike now when the iron is hot. This is on the back of his fantastic performances in Bajirao Mastani and Padmavat. Kuch sunapne. Vashu Bhagnani's Pooja Entertainment is said to be very keen to offer Ranveer the title role of Karan. And this is going to be in their mega production titled Suriputra Mahavir Karan. Of course, they're not the least bit worried about the fact that others are rolling out big budget dramas as well like Adi Purush and Ramayan. Because Vashu Bhagnani ka ye manna hai, he's confident that India's rich cultural religious roots 
offer enough stories of pride, love, honor, courage, betrayal, trust that will never lose their appeal. If they are made well, even those who know nothing about the Ramayana or the Mahabharat will find a piece of themselves in these timeless stories. A big star headlining the star cast, this becomes the icing on the cake. That's what it is. Ranveer Singh is said to be very interested. He's considering the offer. He's not made an official statement yet. Chaliye ji, Karan pe to ek film ban gayi. Ab Arjun par agar koi banayega na, mujhe zarur batayega. Hang on, wait. Someone did make it, right? Day of a quiet reflection. That's what it is today. One year since we went into lockdown, and we are marking it as a day of gratitude, a day of remembrance. You know, so many near and dear ones, like I said, lost to this dreadful virus. And this song, it captures so many feelings. I know it is about patriotism and nationalism and all the rest of it, but it captures what the heart is saying so poignantly. Another reason for playing Teri Mitti, by the way, it won another award yesterday. Did you hear about this? Let me give you the backstory. So the National Film Awards in India, it gave a husband-wife jury much to celebrate. I'm talking about Nitesh Tiwari's film Chichore. Now, Chichore won Best Film in Hindi and Nitesh Tiwari, producer Sajid Nadiadwala, all the cast, they dedicated the film immediately to the memory of Sushant, who starred in Chichore alongside Shraddha Kapoor. It was a double celebration because Nitesh Tiwari's wife, Ashwini Ayer Tiwari, she directed Panga, remember? And Kangana Ranaut won big for Panga and for Mani Karnika. So let's just look at the main winners quickly. This was the 67th National Film Awards in India. Chichore, best film in the Hindi language category. Kangana Ranaut won best actress for Mani Karnika and for Panga. And this was what? Her fourth national award. We will not hear the end of this now. You know what? I have so much respect for Kangana, the actress. But I have lost a lot of interest for Kangana, the person, simply because of the barbs that she has been sending to so many others. Yes, she has a point. Yes, we can talk about it in a civil way. You don't have to stoop to this, right? But anyway, that's another argument. Best actress. Manoj Bajpayee and Dhanush, they shared the best actor trophy for Bhosle and for Asuran. And this was exactly the same way that Ayushman Khurana and Vicky Kaushal shared the best actor trophy in 2018 for Andhadhun and for Uri. The beautiful, pristine, unspoilt northeastern state of Sikkim won the award for most film-friendly state where apparently filming crew love to go and film and last but not least B. Prak best male singer for Teri Mitti Ye to hona hi tha. You can catch Shabnam Sahi the ultimate storyteller weekdays 9am to 12 noon You listen to the Pangra Showdown on Sunrise with me, Ami Chana, every Saturday between 4 and 7. And as many of you know that tune in regularly, I love to shine a spotlight on UK born and bred talent when it comes to Punjabi and Pangra music. And my first guest this afternoon is a perfect definition of that. A young man hailing from Birmingham. His name is Taminda and he joins me on the line now. Good afternoon, Taminda. How you doing, Ami? Uh, very, firstly, thank you, thank you very much for having me on the show. Ah, it's my and pleasure. I just want to say hello to all the listeners. That's very kind, mate. How are you, my friend? It's been a very, very long time. It's been a very long time. I'm doing well, thank you. And yourself? Not bad at all. Thank you very much for asking. And how has lockdown treated you, uh, not just as an artist, but just on an everyday kind of... We had a little chat on the phone the other day and you were saying that you're looking forward to the light at the end of the tunnel. 
Absolutely, yeah. I mean, uh, I think it's just about keeping uh, keeping positive in these uh, testing times. And I think, uh, you know, everyone's in the same boat, so uh, we're all in it together. We're all in so, it together. Um, yeah, looking forward to be out of it soon. And how has it been for you artistically? Has it been great to get your head down and kind of get more music made? Because it's been a while since you've released something. Absolutely, yeah. Just had time to focus on myself sort of thing and... Uh, Kind of see what what um, what what route I want to take within my music, and uh, just work on new vibes um, within myself. Which brings me perfectly to the brand new release. You've got a single uh, out this week that I'm championing under my new music uh, feature that's called Fresh Off The Dava. And it literally is, right? It was released uh, earlier this week and you've teamed up with Kami K. What, how did that come about? Uh, so, yeah, that was through uh, my label, Revere Records. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cammy's on, uh, Cammy's, Cammy's working quite closely with us. And, uh, wow, what an experience that was. Mm. Um, it's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, obviously, Cammy's a living legend within himself. And to work with him and to kind of vibe off his vibe was just absolutely amazing. And so what made you kind of come back with a bit more of a senti song, you know? Because I know Doruha that you did many years ago with uh, Rishi as well was a kind of senti song. Is that the angle that you come from? Is that your focus? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, this is my preferred genre of music, to uh-huh. be fair with you. Uh, but, you know, I I try to, like, experiment with all types of music. So uh, you won't just be getting scenty kind of songs coming from me. You'll be getting uh, a lot more upbeat um, stuff from me as well. And, and is that all working with Kami K or are you working with other producers? I, I, I'm working with various producers. Great, that sounds good. Any names that you could give us or is he keeping it all under the hat at the moment? I think I'll keep that under the hat, but it'll be very, very soon. Yeah, very, very soon. So um, hold tight. And this last year has been great for musicians, as we just touched on, in terms of being able to be creative. I mean, lots of artists have turned out, not just one song or two songs, some even three or four over the last 12 months. I mean, it has been uh, an interesting time for artists around the world in terms of performing and and bread and butter. But at the same time, it's been really nice because you've got a more engaged audience, right? Because people are at home consuming art, as it were. Absolutely. I mean, you're not kind of fighting towards to get someone's attention. Mm. I mean, what are you going to do in lockdown? Everyone's on YouTube. Everyone's on their phones. So it's been it's, it's been easy in that aspect. But obviously, as you mentioned, from an artistic point of view, there's been no gigs or anything like that. So it's been a bit hard. Uh, but on the other hand, it's been it's been kind of um, we've all had that time to sit down and kind of. Uh, come out with new ideas, work on new vibes, etc. And talk to me about this song then, Don't Leave Me. What's the story behind it, man? <laughs> there is no... There, <laughs> there is no... <laughs> there's no there's no specific story. It's just uh, artistic vision and uh, putting myself in, um, in, in, in other people's shoes, I guess. Oh, that's a nice way to put it. Looking at it from a third party's point of view rather than a personal one. Absolutely. <laughs> Taminda, it's been lovely catching up with you. We're going to have just a quick hit today, as I said, but definitely very, very soon when you start to roll out some of that new music, I'd love to get you either on air or, fingers crossed, even better, in the studio sometime soon and have a proper sit-down and a proper chat, yeah? Thank you so much for having me, and I do really appreciate for supporting my music. My pleasure, mate. I look forward to having you in the studio and having a proper chat. Good luck with the new single, and enjoy coming out of lockdown, man. Thank you, likewise. <laughs> And for a slightly different flavour, catch Amit Chana between 7am and 10am on breakfast at weekends. This.
This is Anila Dami on Sunday. We're discussing Britain's foreign policy after Boris Johnson's announcement earlier this week outlining how the government plans to boost alliances in the Indo-Pacific region, describing it as increasingly the geopolitical centre of the world and shifting its focus towards countries like India, Japan and Australia. Well, let's take a look at what was announced in terms of policy and economy when it comes to the UK's relationship with India. I'm joined now by Siddhant Sibyl, Principal Diplomatic and Defence Correspondent for We On News in Delhi. Good morning. Afternoon in Delhi. Of course it is afternoon. So thank you for joining us all the way from Delhi. So tell us firstly, what's been announced in terms of Britain's new trading relationship with India and what does it mean in practice for UK-India relations? Uh, the new integrated review, of course, announced by the UK government, uh, it's a document, it's a key policy uh, document, foreign policy document that, of course, uh, uh, is something that talks about the new policy post Brexit world when, of course, UK has left the uh, uh, European Union. Uh, remember, when UK was part of the European Union, it was uh, a country that was a kind of a bridge between US and European Union. It will remain so, but now under the new policy, it is more autonomous in taking more decisions when wherever it wants to shift. And its focus clearly is uh, uh, the the Indo-Pacific, which of course uh, is a vision backed by democratic countries in the region. And of course, the key backers are New Delhi and uh, Washington. But coming across uh, uh, the entire document, this document talks about several things, but let me just uh, focus on India. Uh, mm. Since it talks about the tilt towards the Indo-Pacific, it has primarily focused on three countries in the region, India. Australia and Japan. Interestingly, all these three countries will be in UK later this year when uh, the G7 summit will be hosted uh, by the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson and India has been invited. So we do expect uh, uh, a heavy summit there uh, with all these leaders there. In fact, UK is working on uh, G10 democratic 10 countries. In all these uh, all the, the, the three countries, India has been mentioned almost uh, uh, more than 15 times. That's a significant number and th- that shows that how UK is keen to have this engagement with India in terms of every sphere, the scientific, the people-to-people, almost everything. In fact, there is a term which the Britons love to use and which is a very uh, good term as well. This is the living bridge. The living bridge is the connectivity between India and Britain and the living bridge are the people in UK, the Indian diaspora, which is a huge portion of the UK population. In fact, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, most of the Punjabis, hailing from the North Indian province of Punjab are in UK uh, and everyone has a relative there. In fact, even I'm a Punjabi and I have a relative there. So that remains the living bridge between the two countries. So the Mm -hmm. UK wants to talk about that. The UK wants to make sure that India remains the major investor and it continues to invest in India. It wants to upgrade the relationship in next 10 years to a major comprehensive one in which India has a major role. So largely it is an affirmation of India's growing cloud in the global community and that is why the UK has given prominence to India as a democratic country with which it has a living bridge. It's really interesting because there you've talked about that kind of scientific link, the technology, the military. It's very much a huge merging, isn't it, between the UK and India. 
The fact that both the UK and Indian governments want to upgrade their partnership, it's pretty huge. It's not a small development. But translating that will require significant effort across a range of policy areas, will it not? Well, of course, uh, it will require a lot of work um, uh, from both sides, but primarily from the UK side, because that uh, because the UK is keen to engage uh, with India as a country which has its, uh, its cloud going in the region. Because, uh, yes, it, you can engage with China as well, but uh, as a country with which you have uh, this people-to-people linkage, historical linkages, uh, uh, mm-hmm. that is why the point is to engage with India. In fact, uh, uh, there are 1.5... Uh, British nationals who are Indian origin and the investment has significantly increased. In fact, UK is India's second biggest research partner uh, and uh, the focus is to make sure that there is a trade pact between the two countries now given the fact that UK uh, is autonomous in taking its own policy matters. So uh, both the UK and the European Union are keen to have uh, a trade pact with India that of course can take uh, time but uh, they are keen that there can be a mini trade deal with uh, India. Uh, uh, while the UK is obviously keen to engage with India, European Union is also keen to engage with India very much. Both mm-hmm. of them are vying to vying uh, with New Delhi. In fact, uh, there is uh, going to be an India EU summit that will going to happen in the month of May in Portugal. That was Siddhant Sibyl, correspondent for We On News in Delhi. While the UK and India have had a long-lasting relationship and this foreign policy announcement clearly wants to strengthen those ties further, let's turn to the historical and cultural ties between the UK and India and strengthening of ties in a post-colonial era. I'm joined now by Director of the Nehru Centre in London, Amish Tripathi, who is currently in Delhi. Good morning. Hi, Anula. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. And I'm so glad to be speaking to you. I mean, this emphasis that Boris Johnson announced, this emphasis that Britain's announced of strengthening ties between the UK and India. I mean, that must have been music to your ears as director of the Nehru Centre. You do so much of this bridging the gap between the UK and India. Uh, what did you make of that announcement and that, that strengthening of ties? Well, I think that's fantastic because there is obviously interest uh, you know, from India as well. Uh, I'm sure you must be aware of the Grant Thornton report that had come out uh, you know, a little while back. There are over 840 Indian companies working in the UK, charting up nearly 50 billion pounds of revenue, employing over 100,000 people. India actually already does a lot of serious business in the UK. You know, in uh, in uh, vaccines, we are uh, Serum Institute of India uh, is the largest manufacturer of the Oxford uh, vaccine. So there is already a lot of cooperation going on. We have a living bridge in terms of the uh, the British Indian diaspora that lives in the UK. There's, mm. You know, the sky's the limit. We need to find ways to work together. You're you're definitely a living bridge. I mean, if people don't know you, they really should. I mean, I don't know anyone who doesn't know you. And uh, but what I mean is, they should definitely check out the work of the Nehru Centre because you are a hundred percent a living bridge between the UK and India. I mean, what do you think? Because you do know all about the history between the two countries. What do you think? that that post-colonial relationship between the two countries will look like? Because with this strengthening of ties and the science and the tech and the military, it does remind you of a colonial time too, where the two countries were very much linked. Of course, now they'll be working together, but it's still a post-colonial relationship. 
So, and they, look, there is a history of pain, very obviously. Um, there is uh, there is a class among the Indians, the anglicized elite Indians, uh, who ran India for most of the last uh, 70 years, who had a different view of the UK. But India is run more by the real Indians, people today, Indians who've come from the roots, whose first language may not necessarily be English. English uh, would probably be the language they learned at school. Mm. So now... These, uh, the real Indians don't obviously look at the British Raj negatively, but uh, that doesn't color the relationship with the UK today. Uh, we are pragmatic enough, uh, you know, to see that uh, today we can be allies. Uh, there are strengths in the in the relationship. Uh, uh, you know, we must of course uh, address the, you know, the, the the pain of the past. But that doesn't have to poison the relationship today. I I I think most real Indians are pragmatic enough to focus on what we can do today. And what do you see your role being? Because obviously you're here and you're director of the Nehru Centre. You host lots of culture and arts and historical talks and events here in London. Um, but also bridging that gap. What do you see your role being and the role of culture and arts? You know, I think at a core level... Um, I, I think at a core level, uh, there is uh, many British are interested in India, but very few of them have actually engaged with a real India. They have uh, normally engaged with an exotica version of, mm. of India. Mm. Uh, and they have normally engaged with the anglicized elite in India, who are around maybe 20, 25 million people. I know that sounds like a lot to the UK, but in India, that's nothing actually. Mm. And... Uh, I think if we can, if, if at the Nehru Center, we can open up the conversation between UK and the real India, the Indians who are actually rooted, uh, whose cultural paradigms uh, are, are Indian and not Western. And similarly, I think many in, in India, their impression of UK is defined either by Bollywood movies or London. Uh, Indians haven't engaged as much with, uh, uh, you know, with with uh, the UK outside of London, as as we should, you know. So both countries can, I think, get to know each other's uh, deeper sections a lot more, and then the, I think the relationship can become stronger. No doubt. Amazing, Amish. It's great speaking to you as always. Thank you very much for your time this morning. Absolute pleasure, Anla. You take care. You too. Tune in every Sunday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon for Anila Dharmi on Sunday, giving the British Asian community a voice on the matters of the day. tuning to the love lounge with the love doctor and i have my couple ready to play the couples challenge and they're on the phone right now as well let me introduce them they are uh, sat and harry how are you guys doing good evening good evening hi hello hello welcome welcome you guys are brave you're taking up the mantle of the couples challenge um and i have mixed up the questions a little bit as well i, th- I hope you guys are ready for this today First off, let's tell everyone about you guys. This is Harry and Sat. Actually, I've known them for a long time, right? And I sort of reached out to them today. I just thought they'd be a great candidate uh, for the couples challenge anyway. So tell everyone um, how you guys met and how long have you been together? Uh, He's pointing the phone in my direction, so it looks like I have to answer that one. But my version's different to his version. Oh, they always are. Male and female (laughs) versions will always be different. Always. Um... So we actually met um, via you, Amit. Yay! 
Thank you for that. But, um, <laughs> I thought you were about to say, damn you, Amit. Damn you. Damn it, Amit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll call you separately later about that. So we, um, we attended separately, I should say, a dating workshop that was hosted by yourself. <coughs> and even though we didn't talk or see each other on that particular day, we kind of all got thrown onto a WhatsApp group and connected that way. And we grew a really good friendship. It wasn't instant with like the whole dating or anything like that. We just grew a really good friendship. And... I think it was about a good seven, eight months later, I gave him an old ultimatum and saying, hey, look, either this friendship goes somewhere or it doesn't. <laughs> and then, yeah, as they say, the rest is history. And we got married last year, February. Uh, the old romantic oh, ultimatums. Yeah, they, that, that works every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, it's a pleasure to have you here. For the sake of uh, anyone who doesn't know, this is the couple's challenge. It's called How Well Do You Know Your Partner? Basically, how it works is one of you will be leaving the room and I will ask the other one five questions. Then once those questions are done, we'll call the other person back and test them to see how well they know their partner and see if they can guess the answers their partner gave. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah so who's yeah. going to be the brave one and who's going to leave the room? I'm leaving the room. I'll leave the room. I'll oh. be the gentleman. <laughs> Poor you, Sat. Uh, listen, what's going to happen if he gets less than, say, four out of five? Uh, Harry, what are you going to do to Sat? Oh, um, make him do the dishes. For... About it. Yeah, make him do the dishes for the next month. Uh, I, I, she should be worried because they did this for her head. <laughs> the bloody question they asked me. I think I got 25 and she probably got five. So. <laughs> I really don't know my husband. That's all I can say. <laughs> well, let's see how well he does today. All right, Sat, whenever you're yeah. ready, leave the he's room, gone. my friend. Yeah, he's gone. All right, so he can't hear you, right, Harry? No. All right, cool. Let's do this. Let's do this. So, uh, question number one for you. This is all about you, of course. And then we're going to see if Sat can get these. Uh, so, your favourite, first question, your favourite naughty go-to snack. I go to, oh, cheese and onion crisps. That's Ooh. Walkers. Ooh, nice. Good choice. Okay. Right, I'm just going to write these down as well so I don't forget. All right, cool. Now, question number two. What is your favourite item of clothing? Like, this could be your loungewear. It could be something you wear out. But what is your favourite item of clothing? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't think I actually have any. Um, Anything you wear, like you like to wear at home to get cosy or something. my what was that? My slippers. Slippers, that's a good one. Let's see if he gets this. <laughs> I don't think he is. I don't think he will either, right? I think these are slightly harder <laughs> questions than normal. So let's see anyway. All right, this one's a bit easier though. Uh, question number three. Say one thing that is on your bucket list that he might guess. Bucket list that he might... Definitely to go to India for volunteer work. Okay, cool. That's a good one. I love that one. And what volunteer work would you do, Harry? Ideally in a school. Nice. I think with children. I think I think Sat's gonna get this one, but let's see. Let's see if he does. Question <laughs> number four. Um, the best holiday that you both have been on together. Oh, our honeymoon, Saint Lucia. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. That's an know, easy one. <laughs> all right, cool. I'm sure it probably is. We have to give at least one easy one. Poor bloke as well. He's probably out there sweating <laughs> right now. Um, okay, and this is a new question I've introduced as well. I'm probably a bit of a tough one. Um, but what's the worst job you've ever had? Worst job I've ever had. Yep. Oh, I've enjoyed all of my jobs. Um... Any particular one that was worse? If not, we can put the answer none and see if he gets it. Um, I think none. 
None? All right, we're going to put that yeah. as an answer and see if he gets that. All right, cool. Okay. So that's it. That's the five questions. So that wasn't too bad, was it? But now it's the hard bit for Sat. Get him back in, yeah. Call him back okay, in. Okay, hold on. And while she's bringing him in, if you're listening to this right now and you want to play the couples challenge, you can WhatsApp me yeah. and I can get in touch with you next week and we can do it next week. Sati, are you there? Satinder. Satdev, are you there? I'm back. I'm He's back. back. Guess who's back? Right. Okay, cool. So basically, I have asked uh, Harry five very tough questions, and you're going to have to see yeah. now how well you know her. Are you ready for this, bro? Yeah, go for it, bro. All right. Question number one I asked Harry, I said, What is her favorite naughty snack? What do you think she said? Favorite naughty snack? Yeah. Probably dark chocolate. This salted caramel one. Okay, so you think dark chocolate. Okay, cool. No problems at all. Now, this is an interesting one. It's a quite new question I've introduced, but I asked her, what is her favourite, this is question two, favourite item of clothing that she has? Like, it could be a piece of loungewear or something like that, or something to go out with. It could be anything, but what do you think she said? She wears a poncho quite a bit. She wears her? Poncho. Ah, I know which one you mean as well. I think I've seen Harry wear a poncho or two. All right. (laughs) Cool. Do you know what you're saying that because it's right in front of me? <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. The only no. thing I could think about could be what I always take the pee out. As in, uh, I always call her the suitcase. It's her handbag that she carries around. <laughs> <laughs> so, pon- I'll tell you what, we'll put te- both, yeah? Poncho or handbags, right? Yeah. All right, cool. Question number three, no problem at all. Uh, I asked Harry, I said, say one thing that's on your bucket list right now. And what do you think she said? Oh. I think she would love to have a cat, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No worries at all. All right. Question number four. The best holiday that you and Harry have both been on? Honeymoon. All righty, cool. No worries. Uh, and last but not least, I asked Harry, if, this is, again, a new question I've introduced, and it's quite a tough one, but I asked her, I said to her, what's the worst job she's ever had? What do you think she might have said? the worst job she's ever had um, I don't think it'll be right to mention the company I don't know because in case uh, yeah I think she's done interior architectural work and design work for many companies before yeah uh, and I don't think you should I should mention their name uh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Not so, live on the air, just in case. No, no worries, right? But you think it was one of those companies actually, that no, she's working? No, no, no. Actually, I, I think it could be a shoe job that she used to have when she first began. Uh, okay. No, it's definitely. I think it's a shoe job. I think it's a shoe job. She used to hate doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. Cool. So listen, I've asked you all five questions now. Um, the same ones that I asked Harry, she answered them, and you've answered them. And yeah. um, I'm going to put you out of your misery in just one second, right? I've got to give you the actual score now. I'm going to do a little drum roll. How many do you think yeah. you got? How well do you think uh, you've done? I think I've got probably two out of five. <laughs> now, in all fairness, right, these are a slightly newer set of questions that I've started using, so they are a bit harder. But, yeah. Sat, drum roll. <laughs> you scored one out of five. Oh, oh, no. oh no! I this is quite interesting. Let me tell you what she answered. Right, so question one: uh, yeah. favorite naughty snack. She said Walker's cheese and onion crisps. Would you agree with that? <laughs> Would you agree with that? Yeah. Definitely. 
Question two. She said her slippers. You said her poncho. Her slippers. I think the poncho was a good answer though because I've seen Harry yeah, wear those ponchos as well he does wear it yeah so I think potentially you should get that one as well because I've seen that as well so potentially what, what do you think Harry do you think we should give him that one <laughs> question three one thing on her bucket list and she said uh, you said a cat which again I would agree with as well but her answer was to do volunteer work in India I, I think I technically think we should give Sat this one as well because you do want a cat don't you Harry I do want a cat well, she uh, did Ladies and gentlemen, by the way, just just so you know, Harry has got uh, her parents have got some cats, and they're called Bunty or Bubbly. Yeah, they are yeah. so sweet as well. Oh, so sweet. Uh, question four: Best holiday destination. That was, of course, the one you got 100 percent right, which was the honeymoon in Saint Lucia. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God, indeed. Uh, and the worst job, she said none. And you said the shoe job. Harry, do you care to change your answer? Would you say that's true? You've always said that. I'm sure you've always said that. I've never said that. I've hated it. I just, I, from that job, I have, I just take feet. <laughs> I've had two years working in a shoe shop. But I think every job I've had has been a massive learning for me to get to where I am. So, so which, which, which one was it? Or you can't mention her name. Was I? I said none. She said really? none. Yeah, I said none. Oh, okay. She said none. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm going to go with Sat on this one. I think, I think technically right. Hey, whose side are you on? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I'm on the guy's side. Exactly. You can't cop out by saying none. You have to give an answer, and I'm sure you've said before, shoes. I hate shoes. Yeah, I hate. No, I don't. I've never said I hate shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a really good example of what can happen when you take on the couples challenge. No, just kidding. No, listen, it has been an absolute blast having you guys on. I hope you enjoyed as well. It is just a That's bit good. of fun. Yeah, that was brilliant. I think uh, we better go and get to know each other a bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you guys. No, do you know what? We gave you some very difficult ones. Nidhi and I did this as well. We did it over the course of two weeks. One week she did me, and then next week I did her. Um, and I think we got... We got, but the thing is as well, right? We, you, you just learn, don't you? Like, I think one week I got three, and then the week she did yeah. it, she got four. So, do you know, I think there's always room to learn about stuff about each other, right? Oh, for sure. All right, cool. I think, I reckon, though, I should probably get you guys on again, on again in probably about three months and see how you do. <laughs> Your homework, should you choose to accept it, is to get to know each other better. Yeah. No, it's been so much fun having you guys on. Thank you so much for being a part of it. You guys are absolute, absolute stars. Ladies and gentlemen, that is how it's done. If you want to have a bit of fun with me in the future, you can join me. Uh, but you are tuned to the Love Lounge with the Love Doctor, me, Amit Sodi. Catch our love guru, Amit Soda, between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. every Sunday for that chill out zone.